Praise the Lord. Once again, I'd like to welcome every one of us to this special service with the team Young, Fun, and Free in God's Ways, a special service on relationship, career, and social life. The whole essence of it is to be able to help, particularly our youth, you know, make the right decision as it concerns their life. I remember sometime in 2015, a friend of mine, um, she was in the UK at that time, got a job with um, one of these, you know, companies, I won't like to mention their name, right, with very good pay. I mean, she just left uni at that time, and then her father told her not to take the job. And then she was there, right there, you know, trying to jump hunt again, trying to get another job. But of course, you know, with the laws and all that, she had to come back to Nigeria. And it took her a while, you know, before she got a job. She didn't forgive her father in a long time. <laughs> yeah, you know, in a long time. But, but then, God is faithful. He compensated her, you know, got a better job because she read chemical engineering, one of um, the big oil and gas firms somewhere around here, you know. And, of course, she's married now and doing well. So the whole essence of it, just like I said, is for us to be able to have a better understanding, knowing, you know, God's ways as it concerns every area of our lives, making the right decision at every, point in our, at every point in time so that we do not make mistakes. I pray that the Lord will help us this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. At this point, I'd like to um, introduce our moderator so that we can move on. Um, she would um, lead the session this evening. Let's just put our hands together for her. Thank you. Thank you, I.K. Good evening, everybody. You're welcome once again to today's session, um, Young, Fun, and Free in God's Ways. Um, before we uh, proceed, I would like to introduce the panelists who are seated with me today. On my far right, we have Mrs. Toyin Baggy. Mrs. Baggy is a partner in the audit services firm of KPMG, the audit services practice of KPMG in Nigeria and is a current member of the firm's executive committee as the head people strategy. She has over 23 years experience with industry specializations in cost, consumer and industrial markets, telecoms, um, etc. Um, she's a member of the Foursquare Gospel Church in Nigeria and has served in various capacities, including um, along with her husband as assistant, assisting ministers at FGC, Foursquare Gospel Church, King's Court. Um, she has a degree in... <laughs> she is a co-convener of sold-out concerts, and she is the mother of two wonderful children. You are welcome, Mrs. Maddie. <laughs> uh, to my immediate right, we have Mr. Omotweme. Mr. Omotweme is a partner at PWC, um, PricewaterhouseCoopers, the international accounting firm. Um, he's the leader of the oil and gas industry group in Nigeria and in Africa. Um, he is a fellow of the ICANN, the Institute of Chartered Accountants of Nigeria, and is a member of the Chartered Institute of Taxa Taxation of Nigeria. Um, he is the lead pastor of the Foundation of Truth Assembly, headquarters in Surulere, Lagos. He is married to Mrs. Dickness Bosse Omotweme, and their union is blessed with children. You're welcome, sir. To my left, we have Mr. Tunde Olagunju. 
Um, Mr. Lagunju serves as the assistant HR manager for Green Springs School, a very popular um, Green Springs. And he's also the lead consultant for Parrots Consulting, for Parrots Consult, a boutique consulting firm. He has he served before this, he served as the as a group HR executive for Cardinal Stone Group. And he serves as district youth president for the v Foursquare VGC district. He was the National Youth Council member and team lead for the Youth Empowerment and Leadership Program and the chairman planning committee for the annual Youth Camp KC2020 for Foursquare VGC. He is also the chairman research and development committee of the Association of Elite Human Resource Professionals and he's married and blessed with children. You're very welcome. Thank you once again for um, taking time out of your very busy <laughs> schedules um, to join us today. So I'll just go, you know, dive straight in to the questions um, for this evening and the, the things that we'll be looking at um, tonight. So. Our anchor scripture for today um, is Psalm 16, verse 11. And if you read it from the NIV version of the, Bible, version of the Bible, it says, You make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Now, um, when we read such scripture, you know, I, I, what comes to mind is, to me is you fill me with joy in your presence. In other words, we enjoy God's presence. So are the ways of God and even God himself really enjoyable? What has your experience been on this? Um, and I think that this is a question that is very individual. So each... Um, each of our panelists, I'd love if you just spend some time to, to, to tell us what your practical experience has been um, in, in terms of this verse, starting with Mrs. Baggy. Praise the Lord, and good evening, everyone, and thank you for the opportunity. I guess I do, I'll just jump right into it. Sure, sure. Um, I think that's a very interesting question, and you know, as I reflected on that question, um, it's a question that you get asked all the time, especially amongst the youths. And if you think about it, it's the stage whereby there's a lot of exploration, yeah. if I can use that word. And yeah. you're still trying to find your feet in career, in marriage. And it, it just kind of seems that being a Christian, there's so many restrictions mm -hmm. as to how far you can go. But I would just really like to say, you know, um, just reflecting on the word fun itself, mm -hmm. I believe it's relative and mm -hmm. If I had to take time to really understudy what does it mean, you know, when we talk about fun in Christendom. And the dictionary meaning will tell you it's all about amusement, entertainment, merrymaking, and it goes on and on in terms of, you know, what fun is. But when we think about it as Christians, we're different. So because the world has a standard in terms of their definition of fun, and to an average unbeliever, fun is all about boozing, it's all about sex, it's wild parties, and it just goes on and on. And so for us as Christians, it's important that the kind of fun we desire to experience is such that it's tied, you know, it's, it's focused on um, Christ, and Christ is at the center, mm -hmm. you know, of it all. And it kind of just defines 
who you are, what you do, and it goes on, you know, in, in, in that regard. If, if, I, if I just step back, even the book of Deuteronomy talks about the fact that there is good success and there is success. Mm-hmm. So there's also, you know, if I use that analogy, there is good fun and there's bad fun, if you want to use that, you know, in terms of just trying to relate to it. So, of course, as Christians, the fact that we're different doesn't necessarily mean that we have to live a very boring life as believers. You know, it's just about what does fun mean to us. And if you think about when we all came to the knowledge of the saving grace of God, it promises a lot of joy that is eternal. You know, there's, there's a joy that kind of just radiates within And um, if I think about it, I guess it's just looking at your environment and looking at how enabling that environment is with respect to what you do with that environment. After all, the first miracle that Jesus did was at a party, (laughs) if you think about it. You know, he actually literally turned water into wine. It was at the party, so it wasn't just, you know, it was there. So it doesn't mean that, you know, we can't partake of parties or we can't, you know, associate ourselves because we're still in this world, but we're not of this world. And that's where the difference really, really is. So I've enjoyed, personally, to relate it to myself, I think I've enjoyed, you know, being a child of God. And I'm sure as we go along, you know, it's, it's a whole lot of definition as to what makes you joyful and what makes you happy but i would just like to pause so that uh, my brothers will can pick it up from there <laughs> thank you thank you so much so what has your experience been okay th- thanks so very much moderator um i'm happy to be back in in church uh this is church for me because i grew up in Foursquare gospel church nice. uh, i gave my life to christ when i was 17 years old so immediately i gave my life because it was in Foursquare gospel church in fact what led me to christ was as a, a, a lady in my a levels she was beautiful and I liked her. This was, I was young, 17. I said, oh, I'm going to chase this girl. And the only way to chase her is to become her friend. And she was a member of Foursquare. So that's how she invited me to the church and I gave my life to Christ and I left her. That was the end. <laughs> okay, so like the psalmist says, I was young, now I'm old. I've not seen the righteous forsaken or his children beg for bread. And important for you to know that if this guy who's now a bit over 50 gave his life to Christ when he was 17 and I have all of those energies, you know, I, I know what you're talking about as a young person, okay? So what is fun to me, as a believer growing up, the fun was going out for evangelism and doing crazy things for God. Fun was casting out devils, okay? Fun was praying in tongues for long hours and seeing who prays the tongue the, the, the longest, who's tired. Fun was it's fasting. So fun is doing those things. For me as a young believer, that was fun. Now, of course, as a young person got saved early, went to university, you see all the things that other people are doing. Okay, but you knew clearly, as a, I'm not going to do that. I've chosen not to do that. And I'm not ashamed of becoming a Christian. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because the power of God unto salvation. So I think sometimes we Christians are ashamed of who we are. We want to be like them because we think they are better than us. Well, no, just be confident in your skin. Be confident in the fact that I'm a Christian. That's who I am. I've chosen to serve God. Not because my parents are pastors or they are deacons in church, but because I just want to follow God and serve him. So I got saved, got to university, went to A-levels, all of that as a Christian. Yeah. yeah. So I think we can, as well as different, I don't regret serving. I don't have any regrets. So, oh, I wish I was not a Christian. Yeah. There are some things I couldn't do because I was a Christian. Yes. Yes, that, definitely. Yeah. But I don't regret not doing those things. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Okay. Thank you. So <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, that's, I think the take home for me from that is, you know, there are things that you will not regret certain things. Absolutely. Um, there are some things Absolutely. that you won't regret. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Mr. Lagunju, yeah. from your perspective. Thank you very much, Shenji. Uh, so, uh, speaking from a youthful perspective now, <laughs> I, I'm not saying they are no youths. We're still very much youths. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Uh, so interestingly, fun, fun is relative, uh, which is what I've picked from what the speakers have said. Uh, coming from my own experience, I also gave my life to Christ pretty much early. So probably I was denied the youthful experience of what uh, fun is in the context of the world. Uh, but honestly, no regrets for me too. Uh, and I can say that this is always my uh, position to people on phone. Uh, like Mrs. Toyin mentioned, John chapter 2 is a very uh, interesting scripture to me. And I, I kept reading the New Living Translation uh, version of it. It says, and Jesus was invited for a celebration. It was not a crusade. Mm. So, and I'm sure if you open message, message would take it deeper to being a party. Yeah. yeah. So, if Jesus was invited for a celebration, and Jesus didn't go alone. The Bible says he went with his disciples. It means that he understands that you need to be a fully rounded human being, even for you to be able to impact your world. So you cannot help an unbeliever who has lived all their, all their life wild out there, sit, and you sitting pretty in church all day. Now, where the line comes in or where the divide comes in is Paul says all things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. So as we continue to grow as Christians, we now understand that uh, spiritual maturity and even maturity in the world is ability to, to, to decipher between what is lawful and what is beneficial. So even in catching fun, there are several ways we can catch our funds as Christians without crossing the line, without crossing the limits. Uh, in conclusion, I remember having a conversation with my wife. Until today, it's still a vision she has. She has told me repeatedly, why can't there be Christian clubs? Yeah, I mean... No alcohol, but you would have all of the experience you can imagine, even if you like you were in the world before. So there will be good music, there will be opportunity for couples. So there, there are a lot of opportunities for us to explore as believers and as Christians without crossing the line. Uh, in conclusion, I'll give an example, and that's why the Christian work remains a personal journey and a personal experience. There was a certain period in my life where I, I usually have an haircut. Uh, till today, if I see people wear that haircut, I don't have a problem with it. But I realize that my, 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 my consecration no longer permits it. And so I step me down that, but it does not mean if I see someone out there doing it, I feel bad about it. So the bottom line is you need to understand your personal relationship with God uh, and know where the divides are. What are the things that are permissible? What are the things that are profitable? So let's begin to do things based on their profitability. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Um, Lagunjo. I think what I've gained the most from what you said now is really that, you know, there are things that are, as a, as a Christian, um, there are things that are profitable, right? Certainly. Um, but the fact that, you know, we are to do things, we are called to live a certain consecrated life doesn't mean that we won't enjoy that life. And in fact, we won't enjoy God um, himself and his presence as much. Um, and I guess we'll be diving now into some of the very specific um, areas where, as youth, we sometimes struggle between God's ways and, you know, what we think is prudent and best. And perhaps we'll start with my favorite segment, um, the career. <laughs> Um, God's ways in our careers. This is probably the area that I um, I find most interesting and perhaps uh, personally would struggle with the most, um, to be honest. And um, I will start with Mr. Omotweme. So how do we know that our career choices and decisions are in line with God's ways? 
Um, and then to what extent do my personal decisions affect God's overall plan for me in terms of my career? Thank you very much. I think that is a two-in-one question. Yeah. Um, first of all, for everybody cannot be everything. So in terms of deciding your career, you have to find out what areas you have a flair and interest in, you have ability in. And it's important that you pursue the areas where you have interest and abilities in. Uh, the scripture says that the gift of, of a man make it a way for him and it will bring him before kings. So it's important to, to search yourself at, and what, what do I want to do? Uh, and then that's important that you pursue that. And, and one thing I will say is that please pursue what you are pursuing with the best um, abilities and grace that you have. Um, I think Paul was says, I am what I am by the grace of God. But if you read that same scripture, um, he says, but I have worked harder than all the other apostles. If we do, I am what I am by the grace of God. The grace of God is available, but I have to walk. But I would say you should know the state of your flock and you check out your flock. So there's a, a room for Christians to walk. Because a Christian doesn't mean you should lazy around, you should walk. But I would say the lazy man will not even roast the, the animal he has killed because you say there's, a, you know, there's an animal and give up excuses. So know what your giftings are, know what your abilities are, and then when you do get the abilities, you walk. Now, even though there's a will of God for you about walk, and later we can ask of how do I know God's will. There's a place for training, there's a place for development, there's a place for mentorship. Sometimes the mistakes we make at work will hurt us. Um, you know, uh, a popular story we say is a, a believer, you go to the work and you'll be reading your Bible during work time. You say, because we are, um, it's time to read my, No, that's not the time to read your Bible. There's a time for that. So do the right thing at the right time and apply yourself in your workplace. If, you're, if you, for, I'm an accountant, for example, and the accountants in the room know that you have to qualify, do the exams and pass. And so that doing the exams and passing means that sometimes you may miss church service because you have to go for ICANN classes. Okay, but the pastor needs to understand that this guy has a, a future he's pursuing and therefore support that person in achieving the goals. Because, I mean, Jesus is not interested in mediocrity. Jesus is interested in not being the best that we can be as, as believers. So there's a place for the grace of God. There's a place for work. There's a place for you pursuing your passion and your vision because everybody cannot become everything. So, and I guess this flows right into my next question, actually, so I'll just direct it to you. Um, does God want me to blow? <laughs> nice tattooing here. <laughs> no, for you. Oh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> blow means to make money. Yes, okay. to be successful in my career, to blow, to have money, to be a billionaire. I millionaire. wish above all things, you know the scripture, that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospereth. Jesus had people who supported the ministry. I said that the women who were supporting the ministry, look it. Abraham was his father. Abraham was a rich man, you know. And the other rich, Job was a very rich man. You know, so that you can see that when I read the book of Job, what I do is to take the numbers and calculate it in modern terms. What is Job actually worth in modern terms? So Job uh, was a rich man. If that word blow, but I think the issue with a lot of us young people is that we want to blow and blow now. Yeah. Okay, we don't want to wait to blow. So, uh, the, the interesting story is the prodigal son, which I love what the prodigal son. The man said, Daddy, give me what belongs to me now. I don't want to wait till tomorrow. No, no, no. And you know the rest of the story. Yeah. The man ruined himself. Yeah. So, I, I believe God is a God of process. Yeah. There's a process with God. Mm -hmm. Bible talk about in due season, this happened. Yeah. Even Jesus, when he was born, they said, Go and hide him. Take him to Egypt. Bring him back later. Because if you leave him now, Pharaoh will kill him. So, there's a timing. Yeah. So, every person, every believer knows God wants you to blow, God wants to have money, but. Number two, you are not competing with the other believers. Don't compete. One of the things I, I, God helped me is not to compete with other people. 
There's a time in my life where I say, ah, come on, become a banker. Bankers are blowing. You go to treasury department. Even my mother told me, what are you doing? Your maids have built houses. What have you not built yet? Yeah. Well, so like undue pressure. Girls are under pressure. Men are under pressure. So my brother, don't blow. Anyhow, <laughs> there's a, God will make you blow. When you blow, your blowing will last. Yeah. Not the Amen. blow that blow now and blow away. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. <laughs> I believe God wants to blow, but if it's <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So patience oh. and waiting for God's time Absolutely. Um, are, the, are the key things. Um, yeah, so Mrs. Baggy, this is for you. Um, building your career, right? We're trying to build a career. Lagos and, and the rest of the world, to be honest, is very competitive, hustle and bustle. And it leaves us with very little time for um, the things of God, for personal devotion, for ministry at the church. How do we balance this? Is it okay to say, you know what, I'm young. When I get a bit more stable in my career, I will, you know, I will focus on the things of God. Is that even possible? That's one. And, and if it's not the right approach, how do we then balance? How do we find that balance? Thank you very much. And that's another interesting one. I guess I'll start with the first one, you know, yeah. in terms of um, is it um, okay to say, I just want to focus on career now, yeah. then I'll take God along, you know, as I get stable. That's a big lie of the devil because the devil will not allow you find that stability. And life is a continuum. It just, the challenges just evolve from one pressure to another. So there's never a time that is, you know, appropriate or right. In fact, if I'm to reverse that, you need to take God along. The earlier you can just get hold of him, you know, the better for you because it's actually going to shape in your life. It's going to reset your life and the number of all the decisions that you would have taken along the way without God, you can imagine all the damage control that you would need to do. So I, I guess we need God. We, we need God more than ever. You know, now, and it's especially like, you know, my brother was talking about blowing and it's a common trend. You know, the world is so fast today and you see the kind of, the kind of crimes that people actually do yeah. now just to make it, you know, just quickly, but just getting back to the question. So I don't derail, um, from a devotion perspective, have I ever been guilty in the past? Yes, I've been guilty. It's always like, I want more of God, but the constraints, the challenges, you know, in terms of the busy life of Lagos that sometimes probably would not allow you to spend that kind of quality time that you really want to do in God presence. But you see, I, I came to a determination and I realized that my existence, it's enveloped around God. Because you'd always, we always look for something to draw strength from. And that's why even the ritualists, they wake up in the morning and they're making all kinds of incantations. There are people, you know, in the traditional ways that before they set out to their farms and all that, at least we read it in stories, people kept all sort of gods in their homes and they had to you know, at some point in time, you know, the Yorubas will say Juba. You know, they had to acknowledge those gods before they could even take direction. I mean, if you take, look at the Muslims, they spend five times a day, you know, making, yeah. you know, it's religion, it's ritualistic. Yeah. So we do not have an excuse as children of God. And if you realize that you cannot exist without God, it helps you to channel your energies to the right thing. Yeah. And when I came to that discovery, it just, it, it just helps. And, I, and, I, and, I, and I'll say that why it's so important. Because as you go through life, you need an anchor. You need, and you need a habitat, something that you can hold on to. And there's an analogy that I'll just like to use just to kind of buttress my point. And it's like, you know, when God wanted to create the fish, he spoke to the sea, yeah. right? And when he wanted to create the trees, he spoke to the ground. Yeah. But when he wanted to create man, what did he do? He turned to himself. 
and he said, you know, I'm going to create man in my image, in my likeness. Because, you know, man is meant to live in God's presence. And if you take the text that we're talking about, it talks about, you know, in your presence, there's joy. You know, yeah, I mean, there, there's, there's fullness of joy. Yeah. And at your right hand, you know, there are pleasures forevermore. So our natural habitat, our natural environment is enveloped around God. And if I go back to my analogy, if you take the fish out of water, what happens? The fish dies. Yeah. If you uproot the tree from the ground, what happens? The tree dies. Likewise, if you disconnect man from God, man dies, literally. Yeah. So we, it, 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 it's something that, and you give time to what you love doing. Yeah. I know it's a struggle. It yeah. is a struggle, but you've got to find your flexibility. There are times like my driver knows in the car when I start worshipping, yeah. you know, he has to kiss. Sometimes I, on the light hand note, I say, please, don't close your eyes, though, because it just gets carried <laughs> away. You know, you are driving and all that. So you've got to look for your, sometimes it could be in the night, you know, as you, you can subscribe. And technology has made it so easy. Yeah. I subscribe to a number of um, platforms, you know, in Christendom. 1230, the Bible drops the verse for the day. So yeah. you're waking up the first thing you're saying is the bible is staring at you and i use emails that i know i do not have a choice but to go through you know so you must find your flexibility we do not have a choice but not to connect you know to the center that holds us all together together. so i'll just like to like to pause and (laughs) thank you thank you man um so, Mr. Lagoju, I wanted to ask the same, similar question, but from a different perspective. So, when we talk about, um, you know, balancing our career and work, what are some ways that we can balance career with ministry in the church and outside? Um, I'll give an example. So, I work a job that's supposed to close at six o'clock, but not that never really does, and I, I want to participate in midweek activities of the church how how do i do that how what are practical ways that i can do that and remain a responsible um staff and at the same time (laughs) be able to participate thank you very much nj so uh interestingly i think a lot of us fall into this bucket uh we youths and i'm going to use my personal experience so there was a time in my life where i knew that i was going down the drain I wake up in the morning, I am driving to work, and I'm, I'm not in my chair, and I'm speaking in tongues. When someday, the Holy Ghost just challenged me to say, but do you know all of this is, is just gymnastics? Like, this is your thing. I'm not in it. And part of what I realize is this. Uh, sometimes ago, two years ago, uh, the Holy Spirit said something to me that if you invest the time and energy you put into your professional development, if you invest half of it into a work with me, you will not be where you are today. A lot of times it's about our priorities as Christians. God wants us to be the best, but again, not leaving him out of the, of, of the picture. Uh, and there's a scripture I love so much, Matthew chapter 28. He said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations. Uh, many a times we interpret that nation to mean uh, Afri- uh, maybe South Africa, Canada. And you know, when you look at the root word of the word nations, it's a Greek word ethnos. And ethnos speaks particularly to people that share common belief, common habits. So I could be a medical doctor whose profession doesn't even permit me to go to church on Sunday. My ethnos are those community of doctors that I share the same world with, the same hospital with. So who says my altar cannot be in the hospital world? So the point is that uh, Second Corinthians chapter, I think, 
2 verse 15. It says that our life will be the fragrance and aroma of Christ. And for me, that's the height of Christianity. Not about even carrying Bible to go and preach. When people be, we, we know about the story of the young rich ruler. Jesus didn't preach to him. He saw something in Christ and he came to him. So when our life become an aroma, even in our places of work, and we're doing excellently well at work, and yet we have altars in our offices. Thank you. Thank you. Interestingly, you just dived right into the next question, which is, is it appropriate to share my faith with clients and work colleagues? Um, You know, how do I do so? And and I think if, if if I heard you just right now, you were saying our lives are an example. Um, are there other ways that we can, can do this? Um, just really So, uh, again, it's important for us to... I'm an HR professional, for example, and yeah. there's a lot on diversity, uh, equity, and inclusion happening everywhere now. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we gather in a place in a professional setting, uh, whether you like it or not, in the times we are in, it's tagged on professional for you to even pray in the name of Jesus because that's disrespect for other people's religion. So, but I can become so excellent enough on my job that a colleague can walk up to me to ask me about what has made you into who you are. I always tell people something that Jesus is my story. So, for example, I, I went during my service here. I've had people, I was privileged to serve as the president for the Nigerian Christian Coppers Fellowship. And I've had coppers come to me to say, oh, how are you able to do all of this? Oh, how did this happen around your life? And... I mean at CDS, like Community Development Service Group. And I'll tell you, oh, Jesus is my story. But what do you really mean? That's already, you already just gave me a pupil to preach. So I've not crossed my line. You offered me an opportunity to share my faith with you. And I go ahead to do. So every opportunity we have as believers, every platform, podium that God has given us by virtue of our career advancement is also another opportunity for us to advance the course of the gospel. So I won't cross the line. Being in a general... I know it must have happened. There are times you are presenting to clients, you are almost saying praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. Which should not be. So, But it gets to a point where when an excellent spirit continues to exude from you, people will ask you the secret behind it. Thank you. So, is, so in, in summary, it's really your life should show, the excellence that you show at work um, should reflect this, and you should ensure that it's clear that it's not your hard work, but it's God's grace and his help that makes the difference. Thank you. Um, and just on questions around, you know, right and wrong, and, and again, this is for you. Um, I want to work in a tobacco company, for example, or a company that I know... <laughs> um, that their products endanger life. Um, is it right? Is it in line with God's ways to do that? What, what are your thoughts on, on Quite that? Very, like, even up until now, I've still been uh, ruminating over that question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even up till getting to this stage. It's a very sticky question, sticky in the sense that uh, there's a scripture I'm going to use. Paul says something. He said, if they offer you a meat, don't ask for the source. Oh, is it from the idol? Is it from? Is it for conscience' sake? Uh, but if I know that tobacco is harmful to health, as a believer and as a Christian, uh, this is one of my philosophy in life, which which I think for every salesperson, uh, whatever product you will not use, you cannot tell the story. So if I cannot smoke cigarette, I cannot sell a cigarette. So my personal consecration would not even permit me to work in a tobacco company. Mm-hmm. 
Now, am I saying there are no Christians working there? Absolutely not. But the point I'm making is this. Uh, If you work in an organization and you are clear that, uh, and it takes me back to the scripture I quoted before, that all things are lawful for me. You know, certain things are morally and legitimately permissible. For example, I could work in an organization that has a smoking area. So if I decide to go and smoke in that environment, I have not breached the protocol of the organization. So those things are permissible, but are they beneficial for me? So as we continue to remain growing Christian, we don't do things because they are permissible. We do them for the advantage, uh, how beneficial they are or advantageous they are. I think that's how far I can play around it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Mr. Waterman, so Pastor, do you have any, any thoughts on that specific question? Okay, so um, I, I think for me, my answer would be I would not work in such organizations, uh, okay. but that would be a personal, my own personal decision. Okay. Uh, but like he said, there are, there are, I know there are Christians who, for example, work in um, the breweries or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I think that's also their own personal decision. Yeah. Uh, the scripture says every man should work out their own salvation with yeah with fear, fear and, and, trembling. and trembling. So I think every man will take their own decision and at the end of the day, we're going to stand before God to, to take account for... for and, and, you know, these, these ethical questions, there are so many, not just work, there are so many issues where there are ethical issues. You to decide yeah. what you yeah. should do and yeah. what is the right thing to do. Certainly. So so listen to the Holy Spirit and, and, and work yeah. work out your faith yeah. um, accordingly. Yeah. So just um, for our viewers online and, and on, on site, if you have any additional questions that you would like any of our panelists to take, uh, please feel free to drop your questions on Zoom and we will um, we'll take them on as, as we go along. So just very quickly into romantic relationships. <laughs> um, a very exciting element of youth life. Um, how do I hear about God for the choice of a partner? Um, Mr. Amotwem, this is for you. Is there a way to know? Okay. Should I date concurrently? So is it okay for me to date several people at the same time to try and see which one's best? Okay, so, so uh, two, two, again, two, two, in one, two questions in one. How do I know the will of God in marriage? I think the will of God in marriage is not different from the will of God in getting a job or getting a house or going to university. Um, you need to the basic foundation is how do I know God's will? Um, and, and the pastors are in the house, they can teach you how to know God's will. Um, Romans 8 says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons, the, the sons of God. The scripture you're referring to, the Psalm 16, actually says in verse 7, it says, God speak to me in, this, in the quiet of the night. Okay? So there's a, God speaking to you through your heart, or what you call the voice of the Holy Spirit, or a voice of conscience. Or some of us are quite good in dreaming and interpreting dreams. God spoke to uh, Joseph by dreams, and even the father of Jesus, Joseph, God spoke to him by dreams. So there, God can by dreams or or through the voice of the Holy Spirit, and most importantly, by the Word of God, because God of God at the, at the end of the day is the final authority. Um, Bible says heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word. So the Word of God is important that, to guide us as a believer when it comes to marriage. Uh, more clear guidance is don't be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. So that, that to me is a no-no area. Yeah. But who should I marry? There are three sisters in church. Who should I marry? Is it Alice? Is it Angela? Or is it uh, uh, Philomena? Okay, that's where you now want to pray, God, you know, what do I do? And of course, it don't mean the place of cancer. When you look for godly cancer, uh, the pastors and the elders of the church say, please talk to me or pray with me. And they can give you a few, a few pointers. So, so, like I said, knowing God, because a lot of young people don't Ask for the will of God until it comes to marriage. I think that's where the wala is. Then you are now in a state of emergency. Yeah. Ah, Lord, oh, who should I marry now? Oh, I want to know. But you should have learned it. So you need to tell the person, please go back and learn how to hear God's will. Um, because God indeed will lead us. 
and, and God will continue to lead his people because God, um, God led the Israelites and God continues to lead us and, and we should seek his will and follow his will. The second question was what now? Can I date people Can I date multiple people concurrently? Yes. Okay. Yes. So in those days, when I was growing up, we didn't date. <laughs> the way you put date now. When I say you, because you look younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> I like to believe I am. <laughs> so what will tell us say, go and pray. When you know the will of God, then you muster courage. Are you going to be a sister? Sister, I want to marry you. So we just go straight into relationship. But now, what I understand from the young people in my church that says, Pastor, I'm just sampling around. I'm just, we go to Mr. Biggs and go to Chicken Republic and to see whether, whether chemistry. We're not talking about chemistry then. We're talking about spirituality. Yeah. Now, people are thinking about chemistry. Of course, it's important to know the person. So what we did then, uh, which maybe that was our own group dating, you were in a group. I was in a youth group. In the process of being in a group, you are looking out. Like the scripture says, watch and pray. So you are watching and you are praying. But no special attention where you attach yourself to one person saying, you know, we're having a romantic relationship. There was no romantic relationship. You just know that, okay, this person I like, she's a Christian, she loves God, you know, I like, and then you just say, okay, I want to go and pray, and then go and marry. But now, people first of all do all the dating, then they, when they say, Pastor, I want to say, how do you know it's God's will? God's will. I'm not sure it's God's will. I just know I like her. She missed my statistics. Okay. <laughs> I hope I've answered your question. You. Yes, uh, yes, you have. Um, um, Mr. Lagrange, did you have perspective from a youthful, <laughs> from a youthful uh, perspective? Is it okay to date concurrently? Um, okay. Uh, again, like I said, for, for, for me, I started pretty much early as a Christian, okay. but I wasn't oblivion to what my mates were doing. Yeah. So, it, 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 again, it's scriptures are clear. God is not an author of confusion. Okay. God is not an author of confusion. Uh, and I always say something to people that you cannot not have been hearing God and then in marriage you want to hear him. It doesn't work that way. Hearing God in marriage is as good as, like uh, Mr. Pedro said, is as good as hearing God for anything. So it's all about a relationship. If you've not heard God when you were seeking admission, if you've not heard God when you were going to uh, make a choice of a job to pick, and then in marriage you want to hear him, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Uh, and it's very critical. I always say something. If, at every stage in life, and even in marriage without an exception, storms are bound to come. And so what That's keeps it. you in that marriage, I love Hebrews 6, 19. It says the hope that we have, which is the handcuff of our soul, that hope is from the word of God. That hope is Christ. So if you don't have your word, when the, that's why you hear a lot happening in our times. Our father stayed in marriages for, for, for 50 years and they can't even explain. He's still looking new. But three months down the line, irreconcilable differences. Like, <laughs> and you're wondering, for how long have you even stayed together to know each other? Yeah. So for me, the word of God is the bedrock for every relationship. And yeah. dating concurrently in itself is just trying to fulfill lustful desires. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. So, Mrs. Baggy, right into lustful desires. The Bible is very clear yeah. that abstinence is a is a requirement, right? Um, um, premarital sexual relationships, no, no. So, why is that the case, right? And then, secondly. <laughs> Okay, if that's the case, where is the line? At what point? Is it hugging? Is it kissing? Is it anything beyond that? Is it a particular type of kissing? You know, what's the line? Where do we draw that line um, okay. um, as Christians? Okay, yeah, interesting one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I know I get asked this question, you know, from time to time. And um, I guess it's very clear. 
uh, so that we don't commingle words. God's um, stance on fornication, let's call it what it is, <laughs> you know, it's very clear in the Bible. Yeah. It's very clear. It's very clear. And I did, you did quote one of them. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you look at 1 Corinthians um, 6, I think, verses 18 to 20, it tells you clearly, flee fornication. You know, every sin that a man does, you know, he does out without his body. But the sin of fornication, you know, is against your personal body. And why is that so? Because one, God is a very jealous God. He says, if you continue in verse 19, maybe I should just pause. He says, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of, you know, the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. For you are bought with a prize. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So God's stance is very clear. So when people come and say, oh, you know, like, you know, my brother was talking about, these are days that people are sampling. You know, yeah. you've even taken it further. You're talking dating. I've heard people talk about your sexual orientation. Yes. And they tell you, ah, how do I know if we're compatible yeah. sexually? You yes. know, so it, it's not like I, I, I want to get into, you know, fornication, but I just need to understand, you know, if, if we're going to be compatible. And, you get, and it's sometimes it's weird. I have to control my emotions you know, so that people can come and talk to me, you know, because some of these things are so strange, but it's real. It's real. And if you think about it in our today's world, I've established, you know, where God stands, you know, yeah. Ephesians 5 does a whole lot around, you know, fornication, idolatry. If I liken it to idolatry. Yeah. And he said, we should not be partakers of this. You know, yes. be ye not partners of this. So in terms of, you know, abstinence, you know, and it's for two key reasons. One, it's a sin against God, like we've established in the Bible. And yeah. secondly, it's also a sin against your own body as well. And if you even think about the consequences that comes up with some of this act, you know, yeah. it's, some of them are really, really far-reaching. And, you know, marriage is a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. You know, sexual urge as well is a gift from God. Yeah. So I don't think there's any denial about it. That's why God gave us all the senses, isn't it? Yes. So that we can see, we can feel, we can taste, and it just goes on as well in that yeah. regard. But just like anything in life, once it is abused and it is misplaced, you know, it does no good. It's got its consequences. It has its challenges as well. And at the end of the day, you know, like I always say, all sex outside marriage is bad. You know, anything... Once it's perverted, it's, 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 it's bad. Mm -hmm. So I, I think we're very clear in terms of answering the first mm -hmm. question as to, you know, abstinence and the why, yeah. you know, God frowns at that. So please do not be deceived. In fact, I think it's Ephesians 5, 6 that talks about, you know, let no man deceive you with yeah. vain words. So it's yeah. extremely clear. And I don't think we should commingle that. The second one that talks about how far should you go, and I know my brother talked about, you know, defining your lines, not crossing the lines. Hugging itself is not bad, isn't it? Yeah. Kissing itself is not bad, right? Yeah. But guess what? You do not want to fan a flame that you cannot quench. And that's mm. why, you know, you've, we've talked about it. Everything is permissible, but it's not everything that is what's expedient. Yeah. And so it's important because you've got the emotions. And a number of us, you know, even now, as you, whether married or not, you know, sometimes your body tingles. Something's holding you, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, you just start feeling that. Especially when somebody you're emotionally connected with, somebody you're looking, you know, it, it, it takes a whole lot, you know, to be guarded. And that's why, you know, we would normally recommend just, just avoid it because, you don't want to start that fire <laughs> that mm. you cannot you, you mm. don't, that you cannot quench. So, yeah. so that's it. And the environment as well matters. I mean, people do come to church, you hug, you hold. But when you are in an enabling environment, you've got to be very careful as well. Yeah. So where's the hugging, the kissing, the cuddling, the smooching, and all that? Is it happening yeah. in the brother's house, in the closet? You know, where you can go to.
town. You know, so it's, we've got to be careful, and I think we've said it rightly in terms of, you know, knowing where, where to draw the line. I yeah. may sound very traditional, but, you know, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, <laughs> today, today, and forever, forever, you know. So yeah. I'm truly for Squarian when it comes to this. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, ma'am. So, so I think um, really what it is is, you know, abstinence is the key. Um, yeah. Fornication in whatever language or style that we would like to define it is, is against um, the word of God. And um, in terms of boundaries, best to avoid and be as far away as possible than, than to begin to test any any waters, waters. exactly, yeah, testing any waters. Yeah. Um, thank you. So, um, Tunde, over to you. Um, why do couples sometimes face obstacles? So we've married, you know, we, we prayed and we believe and we honestly felt that it was God's will for us to marry. We, you know, we did everything, in quote, right um, from God's perspective. Um, and we're about to get married. But then we face obstacles. We face familial opposition, for example. Why is that? Why does that happen? Thank you very much, Angie. Uh, I'm, go I'm going to start from my own practical experience. I'm young in marriage. At least I was eight years in March. Whoop, so, congrats. <laughs> and I'm going to be very upfront and honest. Uh, I was privileged to marry a lady who was also, yeah, she, at least she wasn't out there before she got married. <laughs> but interestingly, we've gotten to points where I mean, it's a case of, oh, girl, it's not by force. Like, <laughs> it, again, it's not too late. Just two children. You can think about if you, I, I can go with the kids if you don't want. I, I mean, it has gotten to those points where we have those kind of conversations. Uh, and that's why, you know, at times when you don't understand the context to certain things, if you get into our room, for example, that's my wife and, and myself, you see something on my wardrobe, built to last. So your first impression might be, oh, very spiritual, brother, but there's a story to it. Yeah. It was aftermath of an, an encounter that we had. And, you know, for the first time, I told, I said, at this point, see, see <laughs> the devil is, and I always say, yes, he's not powerful, but I think he's smarter than every one of us outside the Holy Spirit. And I always say that the devil was the devil when my great-grandfather was a child. So yeah. he, he's amassed a lot of experience. Yes. Yeah. And so it gets to that point where the only thing I'm seeing is that I think I, could, I can live a better life outside of this lady. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. And so I, I had to deliberately work on myself. And I, yeah. I, you know, I wrote all around. And we also need to understand the place of uh, affirmations. Uh, what the people in the world use today, that maybe psychology or what you call motivational speaker, is those things were borrowed from the scripture. The Bible said, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And then it says, uh, out, of the, out of the good abundance of a man brings forth treasures. You know, so for, for as long as I had that thing on my wardrobe and it's still there today, not because things have not happened, may probably even worse than what led me to use that, that word the other time. But it keeps reminding me that this is a promise you have made to you, God and to yourself, mm -hmm. that this marriage is going to be built to last. Yeah. So to a very large extent, it has helped me. And then number two for me uh, has been that there was a word I got from God before I went ahead to propose to my wife. Now, bringing it home, are there going to be obstacles? Jesus' mission on earth was to come and die as the son of God. 
I would have expected that ministry for him would be seamless until the time of the cross comes. But it was all turbulent. So at different times, in fact, they wanted to throw him from a cliff at the point. I don't know whether he disappeared or he sneaked out. But the Bible said they just couldn't lay their hands on him because his time was not yet up. He would preach in the synagogue. They would interrupt his meetings. You know, when we read the Bible, at times we don't put things in context or into contemporary times. What happened in Jesus' days was like what is happening in the north. You are preaching right about now, and then somebody comes and stops your service for whatever reason that you are blaspheming, and service has to end immediately. Different instances, those were obstacles, but Jesus was able to wear that through. So the Bible said, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured. And uh, Hebrews chapter 2 said the captain of our salvation was made perfect through the things that he went through. He was that's God, right. or, and he is still God, but yet he had obstacles and he went through everything. And he came out as the heir and the son of God. So it was a process he needed to fulfill. Obstacles are part of our processes as Christians. We shouldn't run from them. The Bible says when you pass through the water. It didn't say if you. Oh. It means that those are different faces of our life as believers. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Mr. Motsweme, just, just on that question very quickly, um, similarly. So what do I do when I'm really in a troubled marriage? Um, um, Mr. Olagunju has kindly you know, given us some ideas and tips on how to deal with it from our perspective. But how do I deal with it where, for example, I have a partner that is cheating you know, on me or is committing adultery or is, you know, somewhat, I guess, maybe emotionally abusive, etc. Wow. Okay, so, so one thing I know about marriage, um, for sure, marriage requires work. Okay? And bad marriage requires more work. When God made Adam, he put it in the garden uh, in Genesis 2, he says he asked him to, to tend it and to cultivate it. So even though it was a beautiful garden, Adam, we have to do something about it. So then a lot of work required, even for those of you who think you are in a good marriage, your marriage can become greater because there are things you need to do. So so if you are in a bad marriage where there is physical abuse, where there is fighting, quarreling, throwing of stones and all of those things, the first thing you need to seek cancer. You need to seek a godly cancer. I I know we always tell ourselves, uh, don't bring a third party to your marriage. Don't bring a third party to your marriage. But there are times where you need an independent, mature third party to intervene. So you need either a pastor of your church or the marriage counselor, you need somebody you, you can report your wife or your husband. So look, this guy or this man is misbehaving. Come and talk to him. Uh, it's important that you have so both of you have tomorrow. You both of you can submit your relationship to. In in the world now we talk about mentorship and coaching, but that's actually biblical. Just a little pastor, we're going to surrender our marriage. If we have a quarrel, we'll come to you and then you can talk to us and we'll be listening to your counsel and we we'll, and we'll act on it. So if you're in a troubled marriage, please talk to your pastor immediately. Uh, some people would hide until it's getting too late. The first day your husband or your wife beat you, that's the first day you should report. Don't wait till the second or third slap. Because by that time, maybe the slap will be the last slap. You know, just, you know. <laughs> so please, uh, and I know it's only funny, it's not a, a, um, quite funny, but it's a, because it's, I, I have some people I'm actually talking to at the moment. It's, it's a painful process. Um, but it's something that we need to do urgently. There are various reasons why people go through troubled marriage. We can talk about the foundation or not just taking instructions, but if you are in one, then I'll simply seek help and seek help urgently uh, so that you can deal with the situation. Thank you. And, and just on that, right, the, does the fact that I am in a difficult or troubled marriage, does that mean that it wasn't God's will when I entered into the marriage in the beginning? 
Okay. <laughs> I would like to throw the hard questions to her. Okay, because you're in a troubled marriage does not mean it was not God's will in the very beginning. Okay? okay. It does not mean so. Um, again, I, I look at that Genesis 2. I said earlier on, God put Adam in, in the garden. Adam could have refused to cultivate and to tend that garden. And yeah. then that garden would just grow weeds and become useless. Yeah. Uh, so there can be the perfect will of God, but you have not followed divine instructions and divine direction. Somebody said that the person of Jesus and there's a principle of Jesus. You can accept the person of Jesus and Jesus is your Lord and your Savior, but you've not followed his principles when it comes to marriage. The principles of, for example, praying together as a couple. The principles of playing together as a couple. The principles of planning together as a couple. Just these things, you've ignored these things. Then if you ignore the thing, your marriage is going to fall apart. Yeah. It's going to just fall apart. You're just going, it's God's will, it's God's perfect will. But you are not following his order. You are not following his instructions. You are not obeying his command. My son, Proverbs, people say, obey my instructions. If you don't follow the instructions, you will go astray. Yeah. So I believe marriages can be repaired. No matter how you can be repaired. But you have to listen and learn and follow divine instructions. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So marriages, the fact that your marriage is troubled doesn't necessarily mean that the marriage itself was not in line with God's no, will. No, no, it no. could mean that, but it doesn't necessarily it, mean that. It does not yes. mean it. You can yes. be perfectly joined by God. God yes. says, Pedro, yes. marry Bosse. Yeah. Are you married? And both of you, after you have married, say, this marriage will not work. Yeah. You will not, yeah. we will not love each other. Yeah. We will be abusing each other. Yeah. We'll be, the marriage will just fall apart. Therefore, there's yeah. a lot of emotions in marriage. Yeah. Because marriage has a lot of um, not just agape love all the time, but a lot of filial love in it. Yes. Mar- a, a marriage and, and love can bust. You can bust your love. Yeah. Revelations two says you, you have oh, you have you have left your first love. You've de- you can't depart from your first love. It's another place. Your love is neither hot or cold. So your love can be hot or cold. So marriage is a lot of emotions in it. If you don't take care of the, don't take care of it, it will bust. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah. Definitely. And I was going to add that's a perfect example you've given. And if you look at you, you know the example that he gave in Genesis. There's no other clear conviction that you would have thought because literally God planted Eve to Adam. So when we talk about God's will, but we all know what happened with the apple and all that because, I mean, she lived in disobedience and that's kind of affected the whole world today. So I'm so with him in terms of, um, yes, you can be in the will of God. And one of the other things I normally say when it comes to marriage, even the Bible likens it to the church you know, and um, and Christ and Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. and what that means, the literal, the, the 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 analogy I have in my head is like when you give your life to Christ on day one, it doesn't mean you you're not going to go through the disciplines of yes. faith if you think about it, you know, and that's why it's like it, the marriage is like you know Christ and the church, and because it's actually very important that as Christians, when a lot of us come into marriage, we come with the expectation of perfection. Because you met in church and we're the best when we're in church and all that. You know, so you come with the expectation of, you know, um, your best. Your, I mean, the, the expectation is very high. And that's why it's so important. You know, when the Bible says that for this course, shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. Some of the versions say joined to his wife. The process of cleaving isn't going to be seamless. Yes. The process of cleaving sometimes would bring pain. The process of cleaving, if you just visualize it, you know, sometimes when you're trying to put plasticine together or join things together, you know, couple things together, sometimes you hear cracks as well. So I think if you go with the mindset, with prayer and all that, that I want to work out my marriage just like the way I'm working out my salvation 
with fear and trembling. It helps your patience threshold, the fruits of the Spirit, that marriage is going to test every one of it, you know, like we have in Galatians 5.22. So I think the mindset as well that believers, especially, you know, bring into marriage actually helps to set the expectation and how the journey, you know, kind of evolves. I just thought to, 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 to add yes, that as thanks. well to that's, the conversation. That's, that's um, just some great insight as well um, from, from our perspective. And of course, if, if things get difficult or you need help, don't forget Absolutely. as Mr. Motueme has said, Absolutely. reach out from day one Absolutely. immediately. Um, don't wait until things go bad. Um, God makes us a community um, of brethren to help each other. So just on to my spiritual life and my spiritual journey. So is my spiritual journey all that matters? If I'm not successful, I'm not fulfilled career-wise, I'm not fulfilled in my romantic life, in my social life, but I'm deeply spiritual, is that fine? Is that okay? Mrs. Baggy, what do you think? <laughs> I think we, we talked about it earlier on. Yeah. You know, God wishes that, you know, not just our spiritual life, but our soul, our body, everything around us prospers. Yes. And to be candid, you become more effective in Christendom. You know, our brother talked about it. There's a song I see. I used to sing a lot, you know. You know, let my life be a picture of you. Let my life be a picture of you. Let it be a picture for the world to see and to read and to feel and to know you live big in me. Big is the word. So it's, it's important that, you know, everything around us speaks of the glory of God. And, and uh, so God desires, the Bible says he would, you know, if we delight ourselves in him, he would grant us the desires of our hearts. I mean, we see that in Psalm 37 verse 4. It's a very popular one. So God desires that we prosper in, our, in every ramification. So I, I think that's very clear. And there are many Bible verses that actually support that. Thank but we have a part to play. He says, occupy till I come. Yes. So you must occupy. <laughs> Absolutely. Occupy in every ramification, every good ramification. Every good ramification. Yes. Yes, great. So, um, Mr. Motweme, you, you said I like to, 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 to send difficult or tricky questions your way. So this is just another one that may be coming up now. So, you know, I like to, I like to live a little. I like to have a bit of fun here and there. Um, is it okay for me to enjoy a beer or, you know, a nice glass of wine with my friends, you know, over a football match or as part of a spa day, for example. <laughs> is there anything, is it wrong to drink alcohol? Is it ungodly to drink alcohol? Okay. Uh, thanks. That, that question. So that question for me is, um, is uh, there's a bit of story. I have a bit of story to it. And, and I'll give you the story and then answer the question. Uh, my brother is dead now. He was an alcoholic. Um, back from secondary school, got into drugs, got into alcohol. So I've told my sons that up to our seventh generation, none of you would drink alcohol, whether you are Christians or not. Sorry, when I see that, I feel very emotional. Because I could see alcohol just destroy his potential. Okay? So when I go to believers and they say, oh, uh, take a little wine for your stomach sick. Paul told me, take a little wine. I said, do you have a stomach ulcer? Are you sick? They said, no. And when they tell me, oh, red one is good for your heart, it will make your heart to be, okay, do you go for exercise, do you do gym, do you do, there are other things where you can do, so for me, personal, again, this is my own personal story, now that's why I started with that, personal, even if I was not a pastor or a Christian, I would run away from alcohol, because I've seen a bad example, yes. okay, so when believers, and for the men in, in the room who are, who are business executives, you know when you go to a function, everybody's holding a glass of wine, yes. Mr. Pedro, you are holding a glass of water, you look like, 
what's the phrase people you look like do, do you look like what's the word you guys are using these days you are doll it knows you say you are su or darling thank you but it says you have to take a stand when i heard this i don't know how true it is when i heard that the former president of america donald trump does not drink alcohol i could say wow so uh, a lot of us don't like him but the man said i'm not drinking because he also saw what i called it to his brother and said man you, you must not drink so that's my personal i can give you scriptures and to be honest with you, there are scriptures on both sides of the divide. Yeah. Those yes. who tell you that, ah, Jesus turned water to wine. Was he the juice wine? <laughs> can, you can argue what you want to argue. As for me, oh, I know they drink. If you come to my house, I'm not going to give you to drink. Okay. That is my answer. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you, Mr. Motebe. Uh, Mrs. Baggy, any, any perspectives on, on this, you on know, this uh, tricky question? <laughs> my brother is cracking me. But it's interesting in our today's world how we just pitch things only on the men because mm. we talk a lot about diversity and inclusion. Yes. I've seen women who drink like fish you yes. know, <laughs> in the corporate world. And so, um, and I think this is one of those things, like Brother um, Pedro talked about. He said you can argue both on on both divide and when you think about even the verses in the bible and you know people will tell you the favorite verse that people would normally tell you oh Tony, let everyone be persuaded you know even the bible says that let every man be persuaded in his in his heart um i, I think when it comes to that i don't think you know it's got to be your personal con con conviction and you know traditionally they'll tell you don't drink i grew up without drinking you know mm -hmm. and um so but again i'm not going to stay on an altar and say don't don't drink, you know, again, and um, it, it really depends on where you, where you stand with that. But we know what alcohol does. It's just yeah. like you're similar to your kissing, hugging. You know, it's just, if you can, <laughs> if you can, you know, why, 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 why partake? Yeah, because it's more preservative if yeah. there's any other thing. Even the people in the world will tell you, do you take alcohol? Do you do this? When a woman is pregnant, stop taking alcohol. Mm -hmm. So it shows there's something in there yeah. that doesn't, you know, kind of jive, you know, if you think about it that way. So that's what I would say on this one. Brother Pedro. <laughs> <laughs> is the Bible, um, and just, just on yes. that, right, is, is, is there some clarity as to, say, the distinction of drunkenness and drinking? As I hear, um, you know, you've explained that um, drinking, there are different sides of the divide. Is yeah. the Bible clearer on drunkenness, or is it still the same? Okay, so um, now you're, you're pushing it. So yeah. I will now push it and, and tell you. <laughs> yeah. The point I see is that um, scripture says a little living, living in the whole long. Yeah. And I know for those who drink, and there are people in your church who drink, they tell you that once you start with the first glass, it's easier to take the second and the mm. third. And a lot of people say, I can control myself. But mm. I know a pastor who had a trouble in his, his life, and he went back to the drinking joint. Mm. Something just stopped him. He wanted to start drinking again. This is a pastor. So, so, so people, you can start the first bottle and second bottle, and if you go to office functions, we have office functions, beer, people drink it. After the three or four bottles, you don't see this man, his mouth is talking anyhow. You are misbehaving. You are so people say there's drunkenness. If you can go, okay, but me. So I don't even go to that say, that I run away from it at all. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah, thank you, <laughs> thank you. So we've, um, so I mean, we've been having a good time, you know, speaking about a number of things um, so far. And so if anyone has any questions, p please feel free to um, leave them on the Zoom link if you're online. And if you're on site, just prepare your questions. We're going to have um, some time after to take 
um, additional questions. Um, I'd like to just at this point um, quickly apologize for the absence of Mrs. Wuneli, um, who was supposed to be joining us this evening. Unfortunately, she couldn't um, make it um, at, at, at the last minute. Um, but um, I'm very grateful for the great panelists that we have and, and the nuggets that have been shared with us um, so far this evening. So just flowing on from that um, question, um, Mr. Loginger, and this is to you, right? Um, just so generally, you know, we've talk, talked a lot about how the Bible expects certain things of us as Christians and, you know, personal consecration and um, things that are lawful and not necessarily, you know, beneficial and how we should move towards things that are beneficial. Um, so, I mean, in light of this, does God really want us to be social, does he want us to have fun? And, and I know we dwelt on this a little bit at the beginning. Um, does he want us to live life to the fullest? And then, okay, so for example, you know, the big thing now is TikTok or social media apps. Um, and they play a lot of maybe not so Christian music, uh, certainly not Christian music, and perhaps music that is not necessarily the most edifying one would say. Um, can I, can I make TikTok videos using that? Is it, is it wrong? And how, how am I to still, as a practical matter, live in this world and be relevant in this world whilst at the same time not being of the world? Awesome. Thank you very much, Angie. <clears throat> I'll, I'll, I'll respond to the question from the book of Daniel. Uh, Again, uh, you know, Solomon in all his wisdom, uh, it, I know that some of those came from the, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> he said there's nothing new under the sun. And so whether we're experiencing social media challenge in our age and time, they had their fair share of it in their own time too. Mm. The, the problem we have as Christians is an identity crisis. We actually don't know who we are. So rather than being models to the world, we're trying to model the world. Mm. Now, this is the point. When the king picked Daniel and the children of Babylon, the very the noble ones, Daniel and Ko could have said the order of the day was to eat the king's delicacy. But the Bible said, no, it was not the Holy Spirit that ministered to Daniel. Or God didn't speak, oh, Daniel, my son, touch not. No, the Bible said Daniel proposed in his heart. And that's where uh, the Christian journey in itself is a journey of self-discipline. For Daniel to propose in his heart that he was not going to defile himself with the king's mates, it does not rule out the fact that I am sure they had classes, I am sure they had sessions, I am sure they sat in the same class, I am sure they were part of the same training and whatever it is that the king needed to happen for them to become who they should be. I've seen people use TikToks to do hold hymns. Hmm. So, the social media in itself is not the problem. It's what I do with the social media that is the problem. So, we can have fun. God is, God is, the the Bible said, for thou hast created all things for thy pleasure. I don't know what revelation you want to use to explain pleasure, but pleasure is actually pleasure. (laughs) It means that God himself is a pleasurable God. And I will end with this uh, personal experience. You know, as we grow in Christ, you begin to even realize that God cracks jokes. He uses our life experience at times to make, to, 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 to make a whole lot of comedy. I remember when I was, uh, Seven, I was praying 
on my birthday. So I like to consecrate and, you know, set myself apart my birthday. birthday. Holy brother, seeking the face <laughs> of God. God, you need to give me a gift. And on that very day, I was expecting to say, oh, my son, you have a new mantle. And the revelation, I, I just went into a short trance. And what I saw was me going to uh, the chairman of the board of Nigerian Christian Couples Fellowship then. And then I was presenting a lady as a person I wanted to marry. I woke up from that revelation and I ran to the general secretary. I said, Kai, I am getting canal. I said, it, it was that bad. I said, can you imagine? Like, I was waiting on God for fire. See the kind of revelation I was having. But lo and behold, that revelation was the bedrock upon which my, I found my life, life partner. And I got married too. Because interestingly, we were both serving together and I did not know. So when I flash back on those experiences, I, I just laugh. I'd be like, God, come boy, you, you, are, you are really funny. Like, <laughs> how do you move these things together and then they turn out to be this? So yeah. God wants us to have fun. God wants us to be sociable. Like I said, Jesus was invited to a party. In fact, if you read verse 3, when the mother said, their wine has finished. I love New Living Translation. He said, that's not why I'm here. <laughs> they didn't invite me for a crusade. Allow me to have my... <laughs> Let me catch my phone yes. from the party. But the mother and said, okay, whatever it says to you, do. And then we all know the story, how the miracle happened. So God is pleasurable. It is pleasurable working with God. Social media is not a problem. It's what we do with it. Thank you. Certainly, it's what we do with social media that's the point. Um, and, and we can, you know, use social media, serve as models and use social media. And, and, and you know, just general, every part of our lives to, to benefit and to, um, you know, to serve as models for Christ, um, certainly. Um, thank you. Mrs. Baggy, any thoughts on, on this point? I, I like music, and so sometimes I itch to listen to certain types of very nice music that's not necessarily Christian. What can I do? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, social media has been a breakthrough in many, many, many regards. Mm. And who would have ever thought of the situation where we, we're in it when you think about our new reality? and the yeah. virtual world that we live in. So it's yeah. actually been an enabler. Yeah. It's really helped. But you see, with every good thing, the devil has his own way mm -hmm. in terms of just um, distorting the purpose of you know, what social media could actually you know, present. I know there are people who would say, oh, this is an end time tool, you know, and all that. <laughs> there are all sort of debates around that. that yeah. and, but you know, as long as we're in this world, things will keep, it's been predict predicted, the prophecies and all that. So I, I think my brother has really helped in terms mm -hmm. of just providing mm -hmm. the insights mm -hmm. along how social media mm -hmm. could be used. Mm -hmm. The thing is, it could also be toxic, and that's why we have to be very careful. Yeah. You see, today, there's also a whole lot of war and competition. People bring their whole lives on social media. I've seen a lady, you know, I was at work one morning, and I went to the bathroom, and I just, as I was in, I heard somebody just really crying. Emotionally, she was all broken. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I remember that just that morning, you know, I saw on a social media page, and she actually had a problem with her spouse. You know, and I couldn't reconcile it because that was the supposed spouse's birthday. And she mm -hmm. went, you know, just looking at her social media page, it was all very floral, it was all very great, you are the happy, you know, whatever, you are the sweetie in my, you know. And it was all sorts of jargons, I'm sorry to say. You know, but meanwhile, she was emotionally bruised. But she had to do that because, of course, within the circle of influence she was in, all her friends, it's mandatory that when it's their spouses, everybody wants to show who can express more love. And it was just a totally disconnect from what she was experiencing. So, and you've seen a lot of people go into depression as well 
as a result, result of, you know, what social media actually has presented to them. And we could go on and on. So I'm just trying to say, let's be very careful. It's a very great tool for evangelism. It's a very great tool in the corporate world. We use it a lot. In fact, it's almost like we have a KPI. We have to do something on the web, you know, every day and kind of actually helps to pro project your brand. So there are a lot of benefits, whether in the spiritual realm or in the spiritual, but we just have to be careful that as youths, and I think that trend is really, really, it's growing and it's pervasive. And sometimes I just really wonder because it's a false life, you know, if it's not properly, if you're not guarded. And that's why the Bible says guard your heart with all, all diligence as well. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ma. So at this at this time, we'll be taking questions um, from the audience on site. And also, if there are any questions um, from Zoom, we'll also be taking those as well. Um, so, IK, do you want to share the mic around um, for anyone that has questions um, on here to ask the panelists on any of the topics that we've discussed or any other things that relate to, to our lives Anybody? So I think there's one question from Zoom, and I think it relates to, um, again, drinking of wine. <laughs> um, um, and, and the question is, is simply, um, you know, that I believe this is a reference to a Bible passage, give wine to him who is ready to perish. Um, what do you say about this, please? <laughs> So think, any additional I think that person is supporting me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like I said, there, there, are, there are arguments on both sides yeah. of the divide. And, and that's why I gave you my own personal story to say this is coloring my, my, my stand, okay? There are people who argue that uh, they, they drink wine and it doesn't give them, um, doesn't um, affect them. What's the fruit of the wine? Is it fermented or unfermented? All of that. You can argue, you can spend the whole night arguing that. Okay? But I think as believers, we should decide where we want to stand. And I, I know as Four Square Gospel Church, our standard is to say no alcohol. Mm -hmm. Okay? But I know that because you are in the world, you, are, you want to appear to be um, sociable, to be trendy. That's where the challenge is. Oh, let me just. Pastor, I will handle it. And I say, okay, but you have to decide knowing that there's a consequence of, of that alcohol that you're drinking. The uh, Bible says, be filled, don't be filled with wine, but filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So every believer must be fully persuaded. Thank you. Yeah. And I think the motive as well matters. Mm -hmm. Why are you drinking? Because you want to feel among? Because I think the motive is very important. The Bible says, you know, that's the thing. The Bible says, when we get to heaven, we'll be shocked. You know, God said it will wipe away all tears. It's not only tears of, there'll be tears of regrets. There'll be so many kind of tears. There'll be tears mm -hmm. of unfulfillment when yeah. God reveals what we could have done. So, and the Bible, the Bible says that, you know, it searches the deep intent of our hearts. So I guess, again, it's the motive. If the motive is about, I just want to feel among in a club or at a social gathering. I don't want people to think because I'm not drinking, I'm not a believer. Then <laughs> you had better just kindly reset, you know, so it depends as well, you know, in terms of, but I would say, like I said, I didn't grow up with it, so um, it's not something I even yeah, think <laughs> Thank about. You. Yeah. Thank you. That's Susan. my story, and I'm sure people may have different divides as well to that. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Um, I think we have a question from the, from the audience. Yes. Pr praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for speaking to us. My question is quick. It's about um, generational difference. So, for example, um, you know, what do you think about, so, like Foursquare now, we're having um, adult churches and we're having youth churches. And if, I mean, it is the same God. 
and the youth want to spend more time in maybe like praise and in worship and less ministry, I mean um, sermons that are like one hour, two hour long, we're good with 20 minutes. We think whatever can be said in two hours can be said in 20 minutes. But the adults want to talk and talk. They want to sing hymns. We don't. Um, do you think that's just a stylistic difference or do you think it's a spirituality difference? That's my question. And should we be more two-hour sermons and hymns unless um, our style? Okay. <laughs> Your pastor is in the house. so I have to be careful to answer that question. <laughs> yeah, that's a tricky one. You know the funniest thing, eh? Um, like, I got born again in post-square gospel church, so I understand this thing. You see, every generation, you always think that the old people don't know what they're doing. That the old people are so stupid until you become old yourself. And you now say, ah, I thought, I, I thought I'm now stupid myself. You know, because when I'm talking to my kids and they're wondering, Daddy, what are you talking about here? So, um, it's important as, as a gospel, what we're still anchored to the truth, we're relevant to the times. Okay? And what we're doing tonight proves that even as this church, you're relevant to the time. Because not everybody's here tonight. Some are watching us over the, uh, the Zoom link. So, as, as a church, in order to reach our generation, the generation of the, the next generation, we need to teach them the fundamentals of our faith. So whether it's through more music or more dancing, why would they say having fun in church, dancing and doing choreography and doing rapping and all those things? We have to ensure that they don't lose the fundamentals of the faith. So as a pastor, that's the challenge you're going to face. How are you going to achieve that? So that they don't lose the fundamentals. Because a lot of people now, I ask believers sometimes in my church, I say, quote 10 scriptures for me. Give me 10 scriptures. And these guys are scratching their head. They cannot quote 10 scriptures. And I say, if you can't quote 10 scriptures, you're, a, you're a, 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 what do you call it, senior high, junior high, you can't quote, when are you going to learn 10 scriptures? So if you are the, the youth pastor, and your youth, in all the fun they're having, are only doing music, 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 without thinking of ministry, or missions, or scriptures, then you are failing them. Because music will not sustain them in the times when, they, when the storms of life come. So how you wrap that ministry around what they like, without missing the essence of yourself, is the challenge the youth pastor is going to face. Are you following, sir? So, so let them have fun, but in the process of fun, ensure that the word is being planted. Because the young man who had his word in his heart, so he will not sin against God. If there's no word in his heart, ah, he will sin against God. Though. <laughs> Thank you, sir. So there's a need for depth. Oh, yes. Um, um, as we make our, 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 our services, etc., relevant to the times, there's a need to still maintain the depth. Absolutely. The depth. Um, of the scripture. So, what do you? What do you think? You're the you're the youth yeah, president. Youth president. <laughs> ah, I should have been asking And then, interestingly, I'm, I'm in this generation. <laughs> you know, uh, for me, I think balance is key. Yeah. And I would like to make a reference to something I read in Kenneth Egan's book sometimes ago. Uh, I think the problem is that uh, probably also some of us. Uh, even some of us Christian youths, we didn't take roots downwards before growing upwards. Uh, there are different types of meetings. I, I remember in the in the books of Kenneth Hagen, he talked about believers meeting. It, there are different types of meetings. So we have to evolve with the times that we are in truthfully. So we need to be able to communicate and reach out to our people. But the point is, uh, what are the praises and the worship? What are they also helping us to achieve in the life of our people? I am sure that it cannot take, pla- take the place of the word of God. So balance is key. We also don't want to do it two hours of sermon. Well, I, I actually don't like the word sermon because it reminds me of my orthodox experience. <laughs> so we also don't have a two hours message. 
uh, that could also have been done in about 45 minutes, punchy, short, and straight, straight to the point. So at the end of the day, balance is still key. And the consequence or the kind of people that we have in church, they are actually product of, of, of their closets in the house. So if you see people who are, oh, I like to, I have a friend who would tell me, if I don't meet praise and worship in church, I'd rather just go back home. And the question I'm asking is that, ordinarily the praise and worship is supposed to belong to God. It's God that should be complaining. The message is for you. So why, why, why are you flipping the table around? So it just shows that there is a problem somewhere along the line in our, develop, our development as youth. Thank you. Thank you. I think that's a very succinct <laughs> um, explanation. Thank you so much. Um, and we have a question around um, um, what is right and what is expedient. And Mrs. Maggie, I don't know if you could take this one for us. So youth want to try you know, new things that are not necessarily out and out sin, um, but there seems to be an opinion from the older generation. So, for example, um, guys wanting to plait their hair or those of us that wanted to dye their hair. I remember even when I started my Afro, it was a bit of a problem at home <laughs> until, until the pastor's wife had to say, no, it's okay, leave her hair. So wh where is that balance? How far can we go and what is appropriate? Another, that's another interesting one, and it just talks to the generation, you know, gap and all that. And you see, it keeps evolving as well. And I remember when I was growing up as a child, there were things my parents did, and I thought they were very, very old school, and I found them very, very boring. And likewise now, my son tells me some things, and I'm like, my teenage son, and he goes, Mommy, you are so, he doesn't even use the word old school, you're so, I'm trying to remember the slang now. But there's a way he says it, typically it means the same thing as the old school, and I'm like, what? You, you, you don't think you have a funky mom. You know? you wait. So, so we, we, it will keep evolving, just like I'm sure 20 years' time, your son will look at you and say, why are you growing this funny beard? Because yeah. I see a lot of guys now, you know, all very scary. And with the mask, it's so scary. We have a Zoom call. And I can't even recognize half of the people on the call. You that you have one big and all that. And that's why, you see, I think for me, just to get back to the question, even in the workplace, you know, there's a, there, there's a value system, isn't it? Mm. And that's why, we're, so I want to start with even the unbelievers or in the corporate setting. Yeah. You know, there are rules and regulations. And why do you do that? Because it kind of speaks to the brand. And that's why they'll say, you know, we would probably say, you can't come all tattooed up. You know, I don't want to get, get into the debate of whether tattoo is wrong, but I'm even saying even the guys in the world, yes. they know there's, a, there's an expectation, isn't it, of mm. how normalcy should look. Yeah. So when you layer Christendom on that, so the check for me is, if you come out, and there's a whole lot about radical for Christ, being radical and all that. Yes. I mean, we always have exceptions to the rule, and they've been very effective. But yeah. as long as it's not a bandwagon effect, because there's a normalcy that the world expects. And yes. in those days, the, 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 the disciples were called Christians. Because they had a form, no matter how much we want to say, whether it's old school or current school or, you know, very archaic ways of thinking. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a form that they looked at them and they said, wow, these ones, they're Christ-like. You know, so in terms of crossing the line, I'm not going to say plating your hair is wrong, but you've just got to check within and be sure that it is not offensive in its form. And if you think about your purpose, why are you here? Your mission, you know, what you want to achieve. Is that going to be a deterrent, you know, for you to achieve? You know, there are people that, you know, regardless of their form. Meanwhile, there's some people that maybe it doesn't matter depending on the environment or where they find themselves, you know, because there's a lot as well around culture. So if yes. somebody was to come around now with all ripped jeans, 
know, there are different layers of ripped jeans and mm -hmm. all of that. You say the look. I mean, you, we can argue it's because oh, we have a certain way of doing things. Yeah. But you've got just got to be and just test everything, you know. Put every act, you know, under the check of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And it kind of helps you. So I, I think that's how I normally would answer those questions. And it comes in different forms or, or shades. It may be plating today, it may be tainting tomorrow. And yes. um, yeah, so as long as it makes you, you know, you, 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 you're guarded in, in it, so I don't keep belaboring the point. So it's really a thing of the heart, um, a thing of the, of, of, you know, what's inside, what's the motive, and what will the effect be if I behave or dress or, ab ab or absolutely. Live in a Paul said, way. "I can become all things to all men." Yeah. I've learned to abound and to abase. Yeah. You know, to the Gentiles, I was like a Gentile. To X, Y, Z, I was this, I was that. You know, and I'm sure probably he dressed like them, depending on the region yeah. he went to. You know, so yeah. that it's it's in that manner. I'm saying, you know, just check the motive yes. as to why am I why am I doing this? Yeah. Is it because I want to win the community? I have somebody who has who has the mission around downtown. You know, mm -hmm. they go to all the area boys and all that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they have to, you know, they go, you don't go with your tie like my brother is, <laughs> is dressed up. You know, they try and want to kind of at least be able to close a bit of the gap so that the people can talk to them. So it's different if you have a mission, you have a purpose. But if it's just just all fair, fair you know, I, I, I don't know. It really depends. That's what I would say <laughs> in that regard. But it's my own personal personal views. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. So we have one question now around, and I'll, I'll pass this on to you, Mr. Motuemeh, okay, because yeah. I think you dealt with it initially, around knowing your choice, knowing God's will for you in terms of a life partner. Um, and this person's question is really um, that, you know, how do I know? I don't even know how God speaks. I don't know. So so what can I do? Um, I'm already at that stage. You know, you had mentioned we should be learning how God speaks, but now I'm already there. I want to get married. How do I know? What do I do? Okay. Help, please. <laughs> okay, I say talk to your pastor. <laughs> Let your pastor do the heavy work for you. So if you don't know how to hear God, and now you want to marry, uh, you're a brother, you're a sister, you say, I don't know, I've never heard God before, I want to marry. Um, I say talk to your pastor, let the pastor pray with you. But one of the things you can use as a test is to find out whether you have peace within your, your heart. So this person you want to marry to, do you have peace? Do you think that, are you struggling with something on the inside? Or is just, because sometimes that's an alarm bell. People just need to learn how to hear God. Sometimes on the inside of you, just, something's wrong. You, don't, you can't place your finger on it. Then that might be an alarm bell. But if no, no alarm bells, oh, you think she's right, she has the right statistics, the right background, the right this, the right that, you have, you have seen her in church, but you still don't know if it's the will of God, just go and meet your pastor, please pray for me. Okay? However, I know that people who have married as out of God's will in terms of as believers, and yet marriage would work. Mm -hmm. Because even though they didn't have, like I said earlier on, they didn't have the person of Jesus, they had the principles of Jesus. Mm. So I need to follow those principles. Because you ask yourself, there are some unbelievers who are happily married. How? Mm. That would be a big question. They are unbelievers. A lot of our parents were not Christians now. Okay? So maybe they endured, because maybe women there will just endure beating. Now, if I beat my wife, she will run away. <laughs> if my father beat my mother, she will stay. Say, ah, we'll yes. make it work. So things are different. But there are still some unbelievers who are not born again, tongue-talking, but they are, you know, because sometimes they just follow the principle of, okay, you know, we talk, we communicate, we resolve issues. You know, all of those things we talk about in church, they do those things without even following Jesus. And their marriages are working. Yeah. Yeah, Mrs. Maggie, you wanted to add to that? Yes, I wanted to add to that. And it's an important question that is yeah. being raised. And what I would like to say is, um, you know, the Bible says, can two work together except you know, they agree. Marriage is also contractual. That's why even in church, you have to sign and all those dotted lines and all the vows yeah. and all that. And um, so it's, it's important that as you reflect, some people believe, is there a one man for a one woman? 
Otherwise, everybody probably would have missed it in life. Mm. So you've got to look at it. And that, uh, Brother Pedro talked about it, watching and praying. You know, and there's got to be some common grounds, yeah. some common faith. And it's looking at it from a body, soul, and spirit perspective. I think what normally happens now is getting our priorities very right. You know, a lot of people are more motivated by the physical. So that's the body, you know, how the person looks. It's good. Everybody wants somebody who looks very good. That's fine. That's great. But it's just that it is not enough. So you want to know God's will. Your, your focus alone cannot just be on the physical because the physical is not going to sustain you. You know, people say that love is blind. But guess what? Marriage is an eye opener. You know, the second thing as well is the soul. So in your praying and all that, you also want a partner that you can connect with emotionally. You can connect with intellectually. You can also connect with, you know, in the physical. That is a stronger level, you know, when you look at it from a body, soul, and spirit perspective. So the common grounds, we love to do the same things with share some of the beliefs and some of our shared values at the same. That itself is strong. It's stronger than the physical. But guess what? It doesn't sustain you alone. And that's when Brother Pedro talks about, you see some unbelievers that yeah. they've had a very good marriage because they're mentally, socially, common grounds, they're all connected. But when the waves and the storms of life comes, and that's why you find some people who have been so successful, they commit suicide at the end of the day. You've seen a yes. number of executives. And the third layer of it, I tell people, marry a man that loves God. Yeah. Marry, that's the spiritual realm of it. Mm -hmm. So in terms of your ordering, some people write lists. So I have spiritual, um, um, body, yeah. and soul. So in terms of your ordering, you've got to get your priority right. Yeah. Because if you do not love a, marry a man that loves God. Or a woman I, that loves God. Or a woman, sorry. Why, what am I saying? When, okay, I'm using man in the context of the Bible. You know, okay. I think I can escape that now. But I can't be caught saying this in, in the corporate world, actually. But, but getting back to it, you've got to marry a man. When I I wanted to marry eh? I wanted a man that loved God because I kept saying I'm literally going to be throwing my life I'm laying my life you know on this man's altar yeah. and it's going to reshape you know what I become into the future whether I'm making heaven whether to whether I'm going to I want to make heaven or not so at the prime of it and there is no funky it's not being funky it's not being generational these are timeless values You've got to marry a man or woman that has God at the center of his will. Because all the decisions that you're going to take in life will be shaped around those thoughts. So you can imagine when you do not marry somebody that doesn't love God. I'm not saying that doesn't know God. Though. You know, there's a difference between somebody who, who has a form of godliness, who knows God, you know, but doesn't really have a broken and deep knowledge of God. So it was prime for me. So yes, I wanted a good-looking guy you know, and all that. But that wasn't the priority. If you have a good-looking person, it's just a happy bonus. Yeah. That's the way I see it. It's a happy bonus to the equation. So I would say, get your priorities right. Make sure you go after a man or a woman that loves God. Intellectually, the body, connection, that matters as well in terms of your shared beliefs, your shared values, your common grounds and all that. And of course, the physical, if that happens, maybe when you are praying and God decides to add that as a bonus, because after all, God will give us the desires of our heart. And we should also not always think that God always gives us what we don't want, because it's not, he's a good father, he's a good God as well. I think I kind of like that, so that, that brings it down. Because I think I was over-spiritualizing it. Okay, so bringing that spirit, soul, and body is important uh, to know uh, so there's a connection um, between you and your spouse. I always tell people, if, for example, you have a PhD and you have a spouse who has a, a school set, then you guys cannot talk about cryptocurrency and all of that because what are you talking about here? So it's, a, it's, a, it's important that you're able to communicate and you're able to connect.
Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. So just on the last question, um, because of time, we won't be able to take any further questions, but I'll feel this to you, um, uh, Mr. Lagunju. So you had earlier said, you know, working from your perspective, working in a company that its products are harmful um, would not be something that you would do because it's not something that you believe you can sell um, because of your, 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 your beliefs as a Christian um, or your personal consecration. So what happens in a situation where, you know, you've been looking for a job, someone has been looking for a job for a long time, and they've just gotten this one, say, in the tobacco company. This is, you know, they've really searched in this current um, climbs of Nigeria. Um, and they found this, what would you, someone comes up to you and asks you, what would you advise the person to do? Okay. Thank you very much, uh, Angie. So, there is a goal, right? The goal for Jesus was the cross. I, again, every aspect of our life is, is exemplified in Christ's life. It was a short three and a half years, but it was full of experience and, and things for us to learn from. Uh, the goal was the cross, was to die and to, to redeem the world. But here comes the devil that says, again, ultimately what you want is to gain the world back. Why go through the cross? Why not just, in fact, it's just between you and I in the ear. Nobody really is seeing us. Just bow down and I'll give you the world. That, that was, the short, it was the shortest court, court anybody could have had. But Jesus said, no, away from me. Like there's a path, there's a process God has set for me. So as a Christian, I've been looking for a job, and a job comes. Let, let, let's, let me even pack Christianity. The question I'm going to be asking is that it suggests to me that maybe even that individual's value systems are yet not clear. I'm, I'm even saying not being a Christian, that I've been looking for a contract, and I don't believe in giving bribes or PR. That's why I don't know. <laughs> And then somebody comes my way this time around and says, okay, because you've been looking for a contract for about three years and then just give me bribe and then I'll give you the contract. It won't be if, if I oblige the person. It means that even my values in themselves are not fully entrenched in me. So I don't really have those values in place. If those pressures are able to make me change my value sets, yeah. uh, and, and I'll give a practical example, just like a, a married person, or I always say something, as a woman, if a man shelves his belief, he's a Christian, no? yeah. he shelves his belief. I'm not saying I'm unbeliever. Yes. A Christian shelves his belief to become a Muslim, for example. A man's belief are one of his strongest uh, core. The moment he does that, he's going to trade you something someday for something else. That, that, that's my personal opinion. Mm. Now, if I say because I've been looking for a job for three years and tobacco company comes, who says Chevron is not coming six months down the line if I decline the tobacco company? <laughs> yeah, and, and that's the place of providence in all of these things. So I, I'd rather just still hold on to God. Uh, David, uh, Job said, though he slays me, I will yet praise the Lord. Those are part of the obstacles that we go through as Christians, and those are the testimonies that we have to show that of the truth, I have not seen God forsaken the righteous. Thank you. Thank you. That's um, extremely clear. Um, yeah. Your, your beliefs are your beliefs when they are tested, right? Um, yeah. So thank you so much, um, Mrs. Baggy, Mr. Omotweme. Mr. Olagunju, thank, thank you, you um, for coming and sharing with us um, today. We really, 
We really appreciate it. We appreciate your time. Um, thank you to our online viewers and our on-site um, viewers as well. Um, there is a short survey um, that will be popping up for those who are online. Um, uh, just a, a few questions, um, if you could just quickly um, answer them, just to give us a, you know, a sense of some of the kind of things for the future and just feedback. We would appreciate it greatly. I think I'll just stand here. Okay, <laughs> I think it's been a very stimulating time, great discussion. Um, I want to thank um, Pastor Pedro Omotoe, and I want to thank I want to thank uh, Sister Tony Bagi. Thank you so much. And then I also want to thank our brother Tunde Olagunju. Thank you so much. And Ojonuguachava, um, no Sister Ojonuguachava. You have done so well. Thank you so very much. And um, to thank the team that put all of this together, led by uh, Deacon Dominic Ichaba. Um, thinking through all of this, um, there couldn't have been a better way to close out on our team for the month, God's Ways. And listening to our panelists, um, both in their contributions and in response to questions, it just reassures me that God's ways remain the same. The fundamentals are the same, whether you are dealing with old school or you are dealing with new school or you are looking at the future school. The fundamentals remain the same. God's ways are the same. Um, yes, we see changes in style. We see changes in delivery. But the fundamentals remain the same. And I'm particularly gratified to listen to our brother Tunde um, express his opinion, backed with references from Scripture, reaffirming the fact that the fundamentals remain the same. Um, I really want to thank you all, particularly Pastor Pedro. Thank you so much for coming. It's such a joy to see you again and for coming to share fellowship with us. We are really very grateful. Sister Tony, thank you so much. Um, shall we just rise and pray? Let us pray. Father, we want to thank you for today. And we want to thank you, Lord, for the time that we've spent in your presence. We want to thank you for our panelists. We thank you, Lord, for making it possible for them to come and for using them as a source of great blessing to us today. We thank you, Lord, for using them to water us and to refresh us and to remind us that the fundamentals remain the same irrespective of the times. And Lord, we are so thankful 
for their sacrifice, for their love and commitment. Lord, as you have used them to water us today and to refresh us, I pray eternal rock of ages that you continue to water them and you keep them refreshed in the name of Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that you bless them. And I pray, Lord, that your anointing will not run dry on them, but it will continue to overflow. And you continue to find them vessels of honor fit for the continuing use of the master. I pray, Lord, that you bless them and bless their families. And I pray, Lord, that you continue to meet their needs according to your riches and glory. I just magnify your name. I thank you for our moderator and all those that have worked very hard over the past weeks to put this program together. I pray, Lord, that you reward them abundantly in the name of Jesus. And Lord, as we wrap up our team, God's ways, I just pray, Lord, that you keep us in constant remembrance, not just of your ways, but on the need for us to seek your ways and to learn your path, but more importantly, to follow your ways and paths. And I pray, Lord, that you help us in the name of Jesus.